Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 19th, 2019. Today we are reading from the big book, and we're currently on page 69, the first paragraph. Uh, that paragraph reads, we reviewed our own conduct, and we're going to just comment on the one paragraph only. Today's readers, we have Kathy G.S. on the 12 steps, Wendy M. on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text are Barbara P., Amy G., and Ginger C. The uh, share ID uh, for Monday, November 18th, uh, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, that number is 13,678. That's 13678. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, 13,679, 13679. The new, new greeter, we have Jody E. after the meeting, and the host for the second hour is Rebecca B. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me now ask Kathy G.S. if you'd be kind enough to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Larry. Thank you. This is Kathy G.S., compulsive overeater, anorexic bulimic in Georgia. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of persons, of all persons we had harmed, and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me be of service, and I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, let me now ask Wendy M. if you'd be kind enough to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Wendy. 
Good morning. Thank you, Larry. I'm Wendy M., a recovered compulsive overeater in Raleigh, North Carolina, calling from Savannah, Georgia this morning. These are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for our OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Wendy. We appreciate that. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over three minutes, you'll probably hear me sing or cough or something. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And of course, we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Or one to uh, mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're, uh, we're, we're back in, in our study of the big book, of course, and we are at 69. The very first paragraph, it reads, we reviewed our own conduct. And our comments are just in the one paragraph. So. Are you ready to get us started? Good morning. Good morning. This is Barbara. Here yeah, you are. Got, got it. Good morning. This is Barbara P., recovered compulsive overeater from the Atlanta area. And so we reviewed our our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. So it occurs to me a couple of things this morning. One are these, these are really clear instructions. There are specific questions 
and it makes it really simple to look at. However, you know, most of us really don't want to talk about our sex conduct, particularly with someone, you know, in my case, many, a couple of times now with someone I've never met over the phone. What am I thinking? What is this about? It seems like craziness to talk about something that feels so personal. But I mean, the reality is I have to remember I'm on a mission and that is to unblock this channel my higher power. I mean, I have got to plug into a power. I mean, this cell phone that I'm talking on is great, but if I don't charge it up, I, it's not going to work. It still has all the ability to work. You know, it's it's sitting there on my desk, but it's not charged. I got to charge. And to, un, to unblock, I really have to clear this channel, this pipeline to my higher power. And some of this old stuff is blocking it. So I'm on a mission. This is giving me instructions. I really was cautioned, don't even think about fifth step, and I love that, before I write this, because I really wanted to write it uncensored. And, you know, what I had to also know was two other things. One was I, I need, need to, needed to not underestimate my fifth step guide. They're a human being. Nothing I was going to say was going to shock them. I mean, that's really important. Again, I'm trying not to think of fifth step, but I can't censor this. I have to know this is the channel I have to clear. A lot of times it was, it might have been about sex. It might have been lack of sex. When did I withhold? When did I just flirt? And because I wanted the attention, that was a big thing for me. So a lot of my conduct had to do with that. But even if the conduct was really... um, I don't know, things that I was deeply ashamed of, that was my block. That's what I came to find out. And what I came to learn as a result of the process was that I was human, along with everyone else, and that I could change my behavior. If there were things that were uncomfortable and that I didn't want, uh, you know, that didn't work for me, I could change them. But I'm looking at just what should I have done? What, what What would I do now? knowing differently. Anyway, it's beautiful instructions, easy to follow, and um, and I just think it's always so erotic. It's so funny that it's on page 69. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, thank you so much for letting me share, and with that, I pass. Thanks for getting us started, Barbara. Okay, so let's uh, transition to shares. Uh, again, we're, if, you're, if you just fell out of bed, we're on page 69. The first paragraph, Barbara Red reviewed our own conduct, just comments on the one paragraph only. And if you haven't shared in the last day or so, uh, please give me your name and first initial. Russ Mary J. Russ Wendy M. Wendy. Melissa. Paul A. Kelly B. Let's stop there. Kelly, let's stop there. Boy, man, I am going, I'm motoring through here. All right, here's who I have. Let's see if I can decipher this chicken scratch here. I got Russ, uh, Marie, Wendy, Melissa, Nessa, Paula, and Kelly. And, and sorry if I missed you. We'll get you around the bend here. Russell, good morning. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, family. Russ, I'm recovered post-world reader uh, outside of Philly. So this whole inventory process is like, for me, it was the next step, the next open door, the next um you know, gateway to being away from the food and having like a regular life because, you know, all these things are, when I hear about the inventory process, I think 
of how I've manipulated people in these three areas and how I've, you know, I've been a director, right? And for me to, to put this thing down, to put this, to be, to be free, I got to get rid of this garbage. So once again, Captain Obvious here, right? As we go through the sacks of resentment, the fear, all the, these inventories, and and you give them away, you get rid of them, you burn them, you, whatever you need to do to move forward allows us to be freer and start to, you know, we got we got the house, right? When we're, when we're flipping the house, we got to gut that house. We got to tear out the old drywall and get it down to the studs and then put up new drywall. So that's, this is the process of, re, re, you know, a, a spiritual rehab of our heart and soul that we can move forward in this process. And it really, it tells you, it gives you a, a real true objective look of who the heck you really are. At least it did for me. And as you're doing the inventories, it's like a spiritual, you know, it's like a spiritual experience, like some kind of uh, conversion because the scale come, scales come off your eyes. You know, you see, you may not even have thought at the time certain behaviors that you 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 you, you did with people, whatever it is, whether fear, resentment, or sex. At the point, at that time, you might not have thought it was something. Then, when you start writing, something happens. Or when you start typing, or you start looking at it, you realize, man, I really screwed this up. And the best part about it is, we got a chance to fix it. So, y'all have a great day. I love you. Have a beautiful day. Love you too, Russ. Okay, let me revise the list. Marie, Wendy, Melissa, Nessa, and Paul. Not Paula. I don't want to get punched out here. Uh, and followed by Kelly. <laughs> okay, Marie, you're up next. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Larry. This is Marie J. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And uh, the sex inventory, it really eluded me for years. You know, I've been around these rooms for 26 years, and I've done a fair number of fourth steps. And I always thought that I was this goody two-shoes when it came to sex, that I was always, you know, if anything went wrong in these sex relationships, it wasn't my fault. I was the victim. And, you know, I buried any notion my whole life that, that I was ever inconsiderate or selfish or dishonest in relationships. And it was only six months ago. And this just kind of blows me away because, you know, I'm, I'm almost three years recovered six months ago. And, and all of a sudden, I started having these dreams and one after another, day after day. And they were really frightening me because they were really memories of my sex conduct in um, my 20s, when I was deep in my addiction, and not only in food and alcohol, I mean, just I was just a mess. And it took this long for this to be revealed to me. And when the truth came to me, I was really shattered, because I thought I had done all these thorough inventories. And the truth is, I did do thorough inventories. I did what I had available to me. And then when the time was right, God revealed more to me. And so I had to really come to, to understand that, you know, God is going to give me what I can take and what I can reveal and what I can address and more will be revealed always. And I just have to trust that this 
power that is God is always going to show me where my next spiritual growth is. And when I got through all the fear and I did the inventory and I was thorough, I was led to someone I didn't even think I would ever want to present my fifth step to. And it was incredible how much courage it took and how much courage I was given to be able to walk through this and do this. And on the other side of it, is more humility, is more surrender, and more intimacy with this higher power. So it's just incredibly powerful to, to trust the process and do it when it comes up. Thanks. I pass. Thanks, Marie. Okay, we have Wendy uh, up next, followed by Melissa. Good morning, Wendy. Wendy, press star one if you would. Can you hear me now? I can, Wendy. Good morning. <laughs> All right. Good morning. I'm so nervous. And so I just kept talking. And now that. <laughs> me too. Um, all right. I'm Wendy M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Raleigh, North Carolina. And um, thank you for hearing my name this morning. Um, I know um, when I entered the rooms um, in January 2018, I did not think at all that I was going to have to look at my sex conduct. And then I remember um, when my sponsor gave me these worksheets and one of the worksheets said sex conduct at the top of it, I really didn't think that I was going to have to look at that because I was carrying around um, an extra 150 pounds and it had been over a decade um, since there was any type of um, sexual relationship. And so I thought that was in the past and that was over with and that was nothing to talk about. Um, but it says we got this all down on paper and looked at that. And a miraculous thing happened when I got all of that down on paper and looked at it. And I could see that I had the disease well before the 150 pounds. The 150 pounds was just a sign or a symptom that I was a compulsive overeater. But well before that, when I had anorexic behaviors, um, I did some very insane, selfish, dishonest things with my sex life. And um, I had to stay in the rooms. It was, it was life or death, and I have to continue this work on a, on a daily basis. I had to get it down on paper, and I had to look at it. At, look at it and thank you, I passed. Thanks so much, Wendy, for your share. And next we have Melissa followed by Nessa. Good morning, Melissa. Hi, Melissa, good morning. Well, there you are. Good morning. Hi, hi, good morning. Thank you, Larry, for your service. And it's Melissa Sam, a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um yeah, so um, you know, my I have to look at my own conduct in the past, you know. Not my husband's conduct, not anyone else's. This is my own inventory, and you know, um, yeah, I thought uh, I, I thought I really wouldn't have a lot to say here because, you know, my husband and I we've been together, 20, you know, it's like twenty five, twenty six years of being in relationship, and so um, and I've been I thought faithful, you know, the whole time, and um, but 
you know, um, like my story is picking up the food on my honeymoon and and rapidly gaining a tremendous amount of weight. Um, it certainly aroused bitterness, you know, and I I had a hand in that. And you know, my what was explained to me is that this this part of the inventory is also about relationship with the other sex and. You know, and so, uh, you know, I used my husband to make me feel good. Um, I needed constant adoration. You know, I needed to be tended to. I needed him to listen to me, agree with me, do what I wanted. Um, And then I wanted him to back the hell off when I wanted to eat. You know, I wanted him to adore me and then leave me alone. And, um, you know, and I thought um, that I was completely faithful to this man, but I was faithful to me. You know, I, over the weekend, someone said, like, that an addict, you know, uh, we're, we're loving, we're, we're giving, we're, um, the problem is, is there's not another person involved. I'm probably screwing up the wording, but that really made me laugh. Yeah, I, I took care of me, and, you know, um, and it was me and my food, and, and, you know, when I looked at my own conduct, um, we had like a terrible loss, my husband and I, and I shut him out. I, I, I really, I put up this wall and shut him out, and I expected him to climb over it consistently. He had to make me feel better. I never took into consideration that his feelings were, were damaged as well. And, yeah, I mean, there were lots of other things in inventory, but um, this was the thing that I really had to had to look at in order to... to to change. And, you know, there's also, I think, an importance in doing the steps over and over again, because now, you know, I still have to look at my own conduct. Um, What am I bringing into this relationship? You know, how how am I being as a wife and a partner? And, um, you know, and if I want to be adored, um, I have to say that, that St. Francis prayer with my husband in mind, like, it is better to give um, than to get, you know, it is, if I want to be adored and loved, I have to be adoring and loving. Um, thanks with that. I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Okay. We have Nessa up next, followed by Paul. Nessa, good morning. Hi, good morning. Vision for you. This is Nessa R. I've recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. To me, this instruction is the most important in the whole book. Uh, we reviewed our conduct, um, not only for this part of the sex conduct, but for the whole inventory process, for the whole um, work of the steps. You know, it says, uh, it reiterates what it says in page 67, you know, the inventory was ours, not the other man's. You know, when I first started step four, my aim was to prove beyond any reasonable doubt that everybody else was at fault that I was hard done by, that um, I was a victim, that I had no part to play in it, that I was justified in being disgruntled. You know, I set out to convince my, my sponsor that that was the case. And you know what? This is not the aim of this exercise because um, for the simple reason that it doesn't work, I've been doing that for the first, I don't know, 45 years of my life. And the only thing that where that got me was stuck in the food, stuck in the resentment, stuck in the misery, you know, um, when everything that happens to me 
in my life is the fault of everybody else. I have no hope. I have no help. I'm completely, totally powerless. But, you know, when I see that my troubles are of my own making, when I see that when I have a problem, I am the problem because I am the common denominator of all my problems and difficulties in relationships and situations and with people and everything. You know, that to me is actually very empowering because I cannot change my husband and I cannot change my boss and I cannot change, you know, what happens in the supermarket, but I can change me, you know, how I process things. I can change how I think and how I speak and how I act. You know, and the question is, okay, if I can do all those things, why didn't I do it before? Why did I end up here in these rooms? And the, re- the, the answer is because I didn't know that, number one. And number two, I didn't know how. But in the rooms I learned, and yes, that is my problem. Not the outside world, but me. And number two, these steps show me how to address those issues that I can change. It shows me the real significance of the serenity prayer, you know, Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, which is other people, circumstances, events, you know, outcomes, and the courage to change the things I can, which is me, it's only me. And these steps, one to nine, teach me the tools necessary to do just that. Step 10 enables me to practice, you know, these, these first nine steps, you know, every single day until it becomes a working part of the mind. So I have to keep in mind that I have to review my own conduct. Everybody else's conduct is their business and not mine. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa. Okay, we have Paul next, followed by Kelly. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Larry. Thank you. And thank you all for being here. I never know what I'm really going to say. So I um, just try to channel my God and let it flow through me. And the thing is flowing through me first before I get to sex conduct is to thank all of you all for being here. Very grateful. And we regularly have 400 people on this early call. What, five sharing or five service or so, 15 sharing. That's 300 and I don't know, 75, 85 other people that are listening that are recovered and maintaining um, that state. They're in recovery and they're either white knuckling it or they're at peace and they know this is their source of strength. They're abstinent, working towards recovery. I mean, we're all here for a reason. We all want from the knowledge here. Everyone serves a purpose, everyone. 400 people, we all have a reason for being here, and we got to keep coming back, right, because we're we're feeding this thing, and we're drawing from it as well. So I'm Paul A., a recovery, in recovery, compulsive overeater from St. Louis, Missouri, back from convention. Thank you all for being there and freezing my butt off. So please, Larry, keep me on the timer. Me and the dog are doing our steps. Um, sex conduct was very interesting for me when I got to that uh, part of my inventory with my sponsor. And I really felt like I would have a a short list here because I kind of got started late in life. And um, actually the first initial serious relationship of mine um, failed, failed badly. And uh, surely that wasn't because of food. That was because 
um, of the other person's um, inventory that they weren't taking. How they victimized me. Um, but then I, third relationship, um, started seeing a trend. And by the grace of God and my sponsor, um, his path, his success, and I guess my willingness to listen and identify these defects of character. I mean, I was able to realize that, man, this is sure as hell a broader topic than how many times a week I'm getting. Um, point blank. Paul, right? Did you honor your vows You know, throughout your marriage? For better or worse, when you weren't getting it, were you worse? Right? Or were you better? Right? Did you stay consistent? And in that, that relationship I talked about, no, I wasn't the best I could be. I, I guess, lightly, openly flirted. My wife did, too. We didn't think anything about it um, with other people because it, it was never pursued. But I, I think it had a knock-on effect with her. And she used to just kind of discount it. And I think it had a carry-on effect. Um, you know, the Internet comes out in 94. Porn's readily available. When we don't have a good sex life, I'm browsing the web. There's a number of times she saw that and she's like, you know that hurts my feelings, right? You know that's disgusting. You know that's degrading. I couldn't stop. I didn't even have a porn addiction because I think I covet money more than I covet porn. And I wasn't going to buy it. That's a reminder. Thank you. So, I mean, this program helped me be so honest, right, and get the things that I never thought I would in, in this or any inventory and make amends. I had rocked that girl's world when I made my amends. I mean, she's like, what the hell is happening? But, all right, I'm clearing up my side of the street. And I thank you all for hearing me. I guess God channeled through me just fine because I filled up the time. Thank you all very much. Paul A. from St. Louis, out. Pass. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Good to meet you in Newark. Hey, Kelly, it's your turn. Good morning. Kelly, press star one if you would. Okay, maybe, let's see, maybe Kelly might be having some, some technical difficulties. Hi, can you hear me? Oh, Hello? Kelly, there you are. Hi, everybody. This is Kelly from outside of Boston, my first time speaking in this meeting. Um, just getting back from the convention, which was awesome. Um, I really can't believe that I, I actually went. I didn't know anybody going to the convention except for my sponsor. Um, and I sat there at one point during the weekend thinking, I can't believe that I just showed up here. But it was because of all the sharing that I heard on the line for months about how wonderful it, it could be and how important it was. And I definitely believe that's God's will that got me there because, like I said, I was um, – not really um, connected to the group uh, personally because I was always just a listener, but um, I was concerned that I would not fit in and 
I didn't fit in, I belonged. And that was an incredible feeling. So I thank everybody for promoting the convention and, you know, sharing because you just never know what somebody else is going to get out of what you say. So that's kind of what's prompting me to share this morning because maybe I can help somebody else out there. Who knows? Um, In terms of my sex conduct, I was one of those people that thought I would never have anything to share about that part of um, the steps. And I didn't for the longest time. I'm just in the process of getting divorced after a 28-year marriage. So um, my husband was really my only partner for most of my, all of, almost all of my life um, until about a year and a half ago um, when I um, had an affair and was shocked that it happened. But I now looking back and seeing that I never really worked the steps the way I am now, um, I was either in the food during my marriage or not in the food, but I was always selfish and um, wanted somebody else to make me feel better. And as soon as I met somebody that could do that, um, it triggered a whole other addiction for me that I had to get help for. Um, but it, it also pushed me back to OA and to a vision and to desperation because I wasn't connected to my higher power. That's why it happened. Um, I had no idea that that, that I was even capable of cheating on my husband. Um, so it's, it's really, my sex conduct really has brought me um, to a very desperate place of like, I got to get this, I got to get clean in a way if I'm going to be clean in any area of my life. So that's why I came back and joined this um, great group of people um, so I can stay connected to my higher power and um, look at all my conduct and be honest about what I'm doing in my life. So I obviously was a big part of my inventory was hurting my husband and trying to make myself um, a better person going forward. That's it. I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Kelly. Okay, we're going to take another list here just to let you know where we're at. Page 69, the first paragraph only, reviewed our own conduct. And who would like to share? Christina J. Caroline L. from Boston. Daniel T. Cindy C. Caroline L. Caroline. Aunt Marland. Daniel Monica. Aunt Marland. Okay, here's who I have. Uh, Christina, Katie, Daniel, Cindy, Caroline. And who who is that from Ireland? Anne. Anne. Yes. Thanks, Larry. Okay, Anne. Okay, let's go with that list. And my my sincerest apologies if I missed you. I'm trying. I'm trying, folks. Okay, Christina, followed by Katie. Christina, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Uh, I was disappointed not to get to go to the conference and meet you and so many others, but um, I feel like I know you guys. So well, at least on a recovery level, and you've all been so extremely helpful in my recovery with your shares and your experience, strength, and hope. So thank you all. Okay, Uh, two addicts living in a house together, young, ignorant of the ways of a relationship, coming forward in our life uh, from what we learned from our peers, our parents, what they taught us um, on how to do a life together, how to how to do um, relationship, how to do communication, 
Well, <laughs> those tools, neither of us had them. So uh, the first house we lived in together as a married couple, I came home from work. He had the Playboy channel on. I was hurt, resentful, shocked, didn't know what to do about it. Um, and so then the first brick got put in the wall. And over the years, the wall grew up to a huge, thick wall that nobody would climb over, no one would take a sledgehammer to. He was lost in his addiction, and I was lost in mine. There was no intimacy. It was just these sad attempts at communication where when one would reach out, the other would shut him down. So what did I do? I got deeper into my food, and when I wasn't in the food and on diets, uh, I would go shopping for smaller clothes that I was dreaming of getting into. And when I'd get smaller, I'd go out and I'd find somebody to love me, give me respect and cherishment and some communication, which I did not have at home. I was living behind a white picket fence, 20-year marriage. Nobody uh, on the outside knew what was going on in the inside because everything had to look perfect because no one in the family line had ever, ever, ever gotten a divorce. So I was selfish. I didn't even know I was acting out. I knew there was something vaguely wrong with what I was doing, but I rationalized it. So I was, it was all about me getting what I wanted, and for him it was all about him getting what he wanted. I was dishonest. I wasn't accepting the relationship like it was, like I should go out and find um, therapy for this. I, didn't, I made like these vain attempts, like I said, to talk to him, but then I'd be shut down and I'd go slither on back to my room and hide because I didn't know how to stand up to someone and say, look, this, there's trouble here. So I hurt him, and I hurt myself. Um, I did arouse jealousy, suspicion, and bitterness Oh, boy, did I arouse those things. And so this paragraph is a paragraph of awareness. And when we get to this in the, in the steps, we get to look at where we were ignorant about all this stuff and where we were at fault and what should we have done instead. And now, uh, in my relationship, I work very hard at not doing any of these things. That first relationship is long gone, sad. It was very sad the way it had to end. But it did, and I learned from it. And now my present husband... He gets the, the glory and all the gifts of a recovered woman, and this is how I live my life today. So thank you for letting me share. It helps me to share, and I hope it helps someone else, and I pass. Thank you, Christina. Okay, now batting, Katie, followed by Daniel. Hey, Katie. Hey, Larry. Sorry, guys. I'm going to be hoarse, but i got to talk about sex. So um, I came into the rooms of studying the big book because – I hated myself and I thought that no one could ever really love me if they knew the things that I did with other people. And it's true because I hadn't ever gone into myself as we do in step four and accepted responsibility and accepted responsibility for the way I treated people, which how I treat people is exactly like I treated the food, right? I'm going to put my needs in front of yours. I'm going to stuff you in, and I'm going to throw up all over you. I'm going to be selfish, dishonest, and considerate. And through the process of putting down the names and answering these questions, I saw a woman who was just trying to stuff people in, right? And as a result of doing this inventory and then writing my ideals, God, um, I earnestly pray for the right ideal as a wife, as a mom, guidance in each questionable situation, sanity, and the strength to do the right thing, which we'll read in the next paragraph. I have found a way of being in relationship. And yes, the first time it was all about people that I had intimate relations with, 
But since that time, I've looked at how am I a woman in this world? How am I a daughter? How do I misuse my sex relations when I'm getting gassed? If I think, oh, maybe, and sorry, if I stick my chest out, maybe they'll be nicer to me. Maybe if I flirt with that person. Maybe if I misuse my sex powers. And why are we talking about this? Because resentment, fear, and sex are going to do one thing if I'm not sorry and my conduct continues. Eating will be a step up. So whether you're on this line and you've had a thousand partners and you're deeply ashamed, or you're on this line and you've never been with anyone or you're deeply ashamed, sex, intimacy, and relationships, I don't know how to do them. Why? Because I've been doing the food my whole life. I've been starving, binging, whatever. But these questions are vital to my life, even as a recovered woman today. I have added that question, where am I inconsiderate, to my, to my daily inventory. Because Bill tells me in his story, he's naturally unmindful of the welfare of others. And that's me, right? I'm a self-centered, fearful woman. And I'm afraid you're not going to get my needs met. So I'm going to manipulate you. And when you don't do what I want, I'm going to get angry at you. I'm going to withhold sex. I'm going to cheat on you. I'm going to do all sorts of things. So these questions with this sex inventory, and I'll wrap up with this, I've put God through this, um, these questions. I've put um, sponsors, sponsees. I developed ideals based on who God wants me to be in this world. I'm telling you, if you've not done this work, hang on to your seats. It is amazing. We get to do this. We get to be in the world. What a gift. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Okay, Danielle, my brother, you're up next, uh, followed by Cindy. Good morning, Daniel. Thank you, Larry. Um, yes, uh, and thank you uh, to everyone making uh, this meeting possible. My name is Daniel B. is in Bravo, and I'm calling from Beijing, China. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to hear all of you live. Um, I'm just uh, was on business in Hong Kong. I was evacuated due to the escalating civil unrest there, and um, I know that this program works because I'm with you and not um, lurching around the city looking for um, uh, my, my former opiates, if you would, uh, which, was, which were uh, fast food. Um, with regards to the paragraph, um, it ends uh, saying, we, you know, we, we, uh, to paraphrase, we put, it, we put everything down and we looked at it. I was blessed to, to, to connect with a, an amazing sponsor through this program who had me um, do this inventory um, quickly and methodically in such a way that as, as, uh, as the review did happen, as we went into step five, uh, it was a tremendous eye-opening experience for me. And uh, it was much more dramatic in my head than it turned out to be with this, um, this person who is you know, recovered and um, is uh, giving their um, recovery to me, if you would. But I, I, I definitely was afraid. I was afraid I wasn't man enough to speak to another man about um, um, challenges or um, uh, what I perceive as roadblocks to intimacy or how I experienced other people and not just sexually, but, you know, interpersonally, you know, professionally, there was a lot of work to do there. And uh, whilst there, like, it is a list of things to do, it was liberating for me uh, to be able to look at this and, uh, and get relief, if you would. So... Uh, I'm just claiming my seat today. Just very grateful. Uh, God bless everybody. Uh, thank you. I'll pass. 
Thank you, Daniel. Okay, we have Cindy followed by Caroline. Good morning, Cindy. Oh, Cindy. Hi, this is Cindy C. in Pleasant Valley, New York. Can you hear me? I can, Cindy. Oh, good. Okay. Um, so, actually, this particular paragraph does not mention the word sex. It just says we reviewed our conduct over the years. And I like to take this book in very small doses. So, you know, when I look at this paragraph and I think about my selfishness, my dishonesty, my inconsideration of others and whom I've heard over the years, you know, uh, one of the things I just love about this program is that Bill Wilson left nothing out. He left nothing out. So I can think about this in my sexual life. I could think about this in my personal, my work life, my life with my family, especially my children. Um, and we do that work and we talk to someone else and we talk to God and we sit with ourselves and we face everything and we recover or we don't. And I choose to recover. So sometimes this stuff is kind of painful and sometimes I wish it wasn't me that I was actually thinking about when I consider dishonesty and suspicion and bitterness and just treating people wrong, gossip. You know, I would like to say I've never done that in my whole life and it's not true. It's not true at all. So um, I think the inventories have saved me from myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Cindy. Okay, Caroline, it's your turn, followed by Anne. Caroline, if you'd press star one, please. Okay. Hi, I'm um, Caroline L. There you are. And hey, I'm I'm compulsive overeater, food addict. I'm so grateful to be here and to be among all of you and your shares. I just wanted to share that. Um, yeah, I didn't think I had much to do with um, this part of the um, inventory. I, when I first did it the first couple times, I thought, okay, I don't have much to go. You know, which I was white knuckling it and everything and. And during that, I just, I didn't think I had much. But this time, I'm going through this step. I have truly surrendered um, my disease, my control to God, and he's lifted that for me. And and in that, he's opened my eyes to um, my sex contact, my relationships, um, and especially with my family and with my husband, um, the things that I, you know, oh, gosh, I need to... Um, look at myself and not look at them. And so it's I'm about to do step four, and so it's, this is all very helpful, and I'm just so grateful that this is where we are um, in the big book. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Caroline, for chiming in here. Okay, and top of the morning or afternoon to you. Hi, Larry. It's Anne here from Ireland. Grateful to be on Hi. the line, and thank you so much for your service. Um, I made a commitment to uh, to share online after the convention. I'm so so inspired after it. Uh, thank you to everybody who organised. And um, yeah, sex conduct and uh, my inventories. Yeah, again, you know, I always say the victim, uh, the innocent person, uh, came from a home. You know, the sex was not talked about. You had to be married. And so I obviously didn't have a clue. And 
it's humbling to talk and mention and, and even that word. It's like, oh my God, am I allowed to say that? Yes, you are. Um, and again, you know, I, I, mine was all in consideration for the other person and, you know, playing the victim uh, and all the body dysmorphia and all the, you know, the diet and the binge and it just, you know, it came between me and any kind of intimacy. Um, so, you know, it's, it's only my part in that today. And, you know, there's no hiding in this program. It's all up front. So I'm very, very grateful. And thanks for the opportunity to share. And thanks for your service again, Larry. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Anne. Great to Thank see you. you. Okay, you guys, we have time for, you know, two, maybe three shares. Who would like those slots here? Monica T. Harmonica. Tabitha B. Tabitha. And Amy G. Let's go with that for now. That's a murderer's row. Monica, Tabitha, and Amy G. Hey, Monica, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Wow, here we are in How It Works, a chapter here, and what we're looking at is our sex problems. We all have them, it says. We wouldn't be human if we didn't. So how am I going to review this area of my life? We reviewed our conduct. What's conduct? My behavior, my way of acting over the years. And I've got nine questions here that I'm looking at, you know, where had I been selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? You know, whom did I hurt? Who did I hurt here with my behavior, my actions? You know, and for me, this also involved my family. You know, they had to see or be embarrassed by my behavior. Um, oh, there's so much here. Oh, my God. You know, as a woman... Um, I, you know, I was given little feminine powers. So how did I use those powers over the years? How did I use those things to get, you know, I'm selfish. I wanted something. So, you know, a little flirting, a little something here, because maybe I wanted to go to a dance or whatever. Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? You know, did I hurt people? Did I anger them with my behavior in my relationships? Uh, where were we at fault? You know, where did I go wrong? What should I have done instead? These last two questions are really important here. I'm looking at things, and now I'm looking at, hmm, where was I at fault, you know? That's important. Where did I go wrong? What should I have done instead? You know, <laughs> for me, way back when, in those early days, it might have been, I probably should have just stayed home. Uh, but now, you know, um, how do I, you know, I, to be unselfish, to be considerate, to be honest. You know, Mr. T and I are going to celebrate 45 years here come Saturday. So how can I be in this relationship considerate and honest and unselfish? What can I do for him, you know, instead of it all being about me? And we got this down on paper. We write this out and we looked at it. So from here on out in relationships, what can I do differently? If this occurs again, how can I be different? What can I do differently? Maybe get out of the relationship earlier you know maybe I shouldn't even be there maybe work at it more what could I do different and with that I pass 
Thanks, Monica. I appreciate it. Okay, Tabitha, good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm Tabitha B. I'm a compulsive overeater. This is my first time sharing on this line, and I just felt um, yesterday I felt prompted to share, and I waited till today. And um, my, for me, sex inventory and sex as a person and my um, my sexuality has been really implicated by early sex abuse and my drug history and being um, my my list being very long of my, my sexual conduct and that shame that goes along with that, but also feeling power behind that in a powerless situation through my life. And, you know, the first time I got recovery and got abstinent, I did that in a really bad marriage. And I lost 25, 30 pounds, and then I started sleeping around, and I dealt with guilt and shame behind that. And I was able to get out of that marriage and, and maintain my recovery, but since then, I, you know, slow, I relapsed and put weight back on. And to me, I have to really talk about that sex conduct even early on and the unmanageability of my life in my in my first step, because what's happened is. I use the food to gain weight so I'm not a sexual being. And so I can turn that part of myself off because I don't trust myself with it. And I don't trust people to not sexualize me. And I don't trust myself to not be validated from that and use that. And so um, it's been great for me to be, again, newly on a first step listening to this. I've done many sex inventories and um, I I knew and I've looked at this with my sponsors about what this looks like for me uh, when I start losing weight and when I when I start getting recovery and um, it makes me uncomfortable it makes me feel vulnerable it makes me feel open and um, those are the things that I, I need to feel to recover but are scared to feel so um Anyway, I just needed to share that and put that out there and circle that back around for me to the first step because um, my sex conduct and my food are linked together and the unmanageability around that and the insanity that ensues. I have to believe that God is going to lead me through this. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Tabitha. Okay, Amy, wrap us up in a minute or so, if you would. Thanks so much for your service, by the way, in Newark. Mary, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you, Amy. Oh, okay, great. Sorry, I was unmuting. I, I did uh, hear you say if it was time to go. I know time is short. Thank you so much, Larry, for your service and uh, awesome meeting. My name is um, Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. You know, there was something that was said over the convention. I think it was Herb saying, you know, hey, I'm perfectly capable of affection, caring, and love. They just don't involve anyone else. And, um, and, and in realizing in my inventory, uh, my sex inventory, that, um, you know, I had no more capability of having relationships in my active addiction um, then shoot the moon because my only relationship was with me and, and the food. And obviously that was not a healthy one. And that any, any sex conduct that I had was for me a, a way to either 
find my needs met. Never once did I consider the other person in that situation. And, you know, this idea of what would we have done instead, I'm so grateful for sponsors in my life. I came into this program as a single woman, and I had to learn how to grow up and be a part of a relationship. That funny saying, you know, we didn't have relationships, we took hostages, that is something that was very true in my life. I only wanted something that you could give for me. And sponsors who helped me shape those ideals, which is something we're going to talk about in the next paragraph tomorrow, a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. I need to relearn uh, what it was to be a woman and be in a relationship uh, sexually, and that was something that I had to learn and, and go as the years went by to then become dating and then into marriage and children, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I'm so grateful for those that have gone before that showed me the way because I didn't have a clue. But that's okay because this program puts wonderful people in our lives to help us do that. I know my time is short, and with that, I will pass. Thank you, Larry. Oh, thanks for wrapping us up, Amy. That was great. Okay, and, and thank you to everyone who has shared and everyone that's joined us. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID for today's meeting. That number for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 13,683. That's 13683. So we're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Guess who we're going to hear from again? Amy, are you there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hi, my name is Amy G. Still recovery compulsive reader by the grace of God in this program. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot tra- transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.